are live, my friends, on a Saturday, so I'm assuming there's not going to be all that many of you streaming. Many of you will probably be listening on Monday because tomorrow is not only the Lord's Day, it is also Mother's Day. So I'm assuming after church, you will be with your mothers, uh, or if you are a mother, you will be with your children and uh, uh, or, or your wives, as the case may be. Um, not if you're a mother, if you're... <laughs> I believe mothers are limited to women. Fathers are limited to men. I know that antiquated belief. So, oh, Scott. Hey, Scott, you, what are you doing on a Saturday? What, what are you doing out there? <laughs> are, are you, hopefully you're not by your computer. I hope uh, you're having a good day. It's actually beautiful where I am right now, but um, uh, I, I'm not in it right now. I'm, uh, uh, I'm doing a bunch of things today. One of them being smoking meat smoking some pork ribs. I have four racks for tomorrow and uh, trying some new seasoning and we'll just see how that goes. But that's that's my contribution to Mother's Day. Um, man, there's lots to talk about, but I, I, I want to give you something quick. I don't want to uh, spend too much time on the podcast because I, I do need to get to the ribs and everything else I'm doing. But uh, I, it caught my eye and I thought that it was important to talk about um, some Southern Baptist stuff, just for those. I've had a number of conversations this week with people in the denomination. And there's a development every day, it seems. Every day, there's something new. And it's hard to keep up with it, even if you're trying to. There's other denominations, by the way, that I really want to talk about. In fact, on Monday, I'm interviewing someone from the United, or former now. They, they were, up until recently, part of the United Methodist Church. And we're going to talk about that denomination. So um, I, I know I need to get to a number of other things. I've had on my list Assemblies of God, I think, and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, maybe the Nazarenes. I, I've had a bunch of different denominations on my list. Southern Baptists, though, they're big. They're, that's why we talk about them. I also went to a Southern Baptist school. I'm familiar more with how they work, so that's part of the reason. There's a lot of f- former Southern Baptists and Southern Baptists in the audience. And um, so anyway, the, the, the conversations I've had this week, some of them concern what's going on, what's wrong in the denomination, and how can it be recovered? And there's, and on both these questions, there's a whole range of answers. What's wrong in the denomination? Well, we're going to talk about that today a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Gospel Coalition and what they're saying is going on. And, and that's going to impact your solution, your, your assessment, your evaluation, your, what you think is actually happening. Your assumption is going to dictate what kind of a, a solution you take, right? So, and then the second question is, can anything be done about it? And I, I've been pretty forward with my beliefs now for a few years that I think it, it it is at the point of no return, but I don't want to unnecessarily discourage people in the denomination who still want to fight. I just, I've, I've always said, if you're going to do it, make sure that you have an exit strategy for at what point is it beyond, is it the PCUSA? And then you say, this is beyond us. We The Lord's clearly left this denomination is letting it go in its own direction, which is not a good direction. And we need to uh, stop pouring resources and time into this. So you have to figure it out. Right. And, and that's going to be different for, for each person. There's some people who really want to fight. Uh, I talked to, I won't say who, but someone who's has a position in the denomination will say, and, and he basically told me, look, this is, this is the last straw. This is new Orleans. If we can't win in new Orleans, 
uh, meaning the, the presidency, then he said, I, I, I think it's over. It's just not something that I want to put my time into anymore. And, um, and, and I understood his logic. He was just saying, look, uh, I understood we were just getting started with organizing and seeing the problem and organizing to correct it in Nashville. And then uh, in uh, 2022, in Anaheim, we were outnumbered because it's in Anaheim and uh, and in New Orleans, we have a shot. And so I'm going to stick it out this time. But after that, if we don't get what we're looking for, then then I'm done. And and so I, I think that represents I don't I don't have any polls in front of me, but I think that there's a lot of people who feel that way. And there's churches leaving. And, and I just I can only tell you this really through I can't give you like hard statistics. That's one of the problems. And it, no polling company is going out and figuring these things out, by the way. If anyone's listening to me who is connected to a polling company, this would be really good information. But uh, I, I just know by way of talking to people who are influential in the denomination that everyone, every, you ask anyone on, on the conservative side of this, uh, of the social justice debate and, and now the, the Me Too debate and women pastor debate, all that. If you ask someone on the conservative side of those things who has any level of authority and connectivity in the denomination, they're going to tell you that they are getting calls or emails, communications of some type every single month uh, telling them churches are leaving. That's across the board. That's what I'm hearing. That And, and it's amped up in the last year. Since Bart Barber was elected president, it is gone. It, it is amped up. Um, it was bad under Greer, the, the amount of churches leaving. I think Randy Adams had told me in 2021 that it was... Um, he, he believes it was, I think, if memory serves me, 20 churches a month, something like that at that time. And and he was trying to put together some uh, He didn't have anything hard numbers either. It was an estimate, but it was just from his connections. Uh, and he said that that was that was the issue. That was the main issue that churches just thought, you know, I, I didn't sign up to be part of a political organization. I'm uh, not going to bang my head against the wall every year for a meeting where things don't go the way that they should. I'm not going to put resources into that. It's just a hassle. I don't let's just be done with it. I, I'm in it for ministry and that's what I want to do. And so that that was a big part of why churches were leaving. Now, with the waiving of a, a attorney client privilege that the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, board did, uh, that escalated things quite a bit. Their executive committee um, that amplified it. And it's understandable. Uh, and, and the whole me too thing, uh, churches don't want to be liable for paying legal fees for violations or, or legal issues that other churches incurred, uh, that were less responsible or, uh, or entities incurred that were not being responsible when they shouldn't be liable for that. That's, that's how, that's how a lot of pastors and a lot of churches feel. So, in, in fact, I'm getting in the comment section. The, the people people are weighing in right now. Ricky Smith, I've stepped down from the SBC because of what they did about women and children. Uh, I don't know specifically what they did about women and children. Um, maybe you could elaborate on that. Uh, but here, here's the thing, too. It's it's not just people even on the right. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying theologically and politically. It's also people on the left. And you have some people like uh, famously uh, John, I think it was John O, Charlie Dates, uh, Beth Moore, Russell Moore. I mean, they've all left the denomination too in a huff, slamming the door behind them because of it's it's just not as progressive as they want. That's I mean, that's a long and short of it, I think. Um, 
So, and, and he says they were hiding, Ricky Smith answered my question, when they were hiding all the mistreatment of those, of women and children, I suppose. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if this is referencing the guidepost report or, or not. By the way, I just saw, I don't have it in front of me, but Southern Baptists, uh, uh, who, it was some, someone high up at the denomination recently. No, it was in a court filing. It was in a court filing. I think it was with the, uh, uh, the Johnny Hunt lawsuit, if I'm not mistaken. But the, anyway, the, I, I just saw a little blurb that the uh, Southern Baptist Convention did not want to uh, hold to the guidepost report. They, in fact, they they framed it in their in a legal briefing as it. Was, I'm trying to remember the exact words. It wasn't on my topic today, but it just came to mind. Uh, that they, I don't know, I, I can't remember the exact words, but they discredited it. They said they, they it wasn't a serious document, basically. That, that they paid all this money apparently to have uh, put out there. So that's what uh, that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is saying. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point I wanted to make today, though, is that there seems to be a lot of um, people leaving the denomination for whatever reason. All right. And the Gospel Coalition has their own take on this. But before before we get to that, I would like to share with you an announcement regarding this podcast and, and future endeavors. Um, there is another conference, in addition to the one uh, that is being held in uh, DeForest, Wisconsin, on June 10th and 11th, which I hope you can uh, check that out. That's um, benotconformconference.com. There's another one, and uh, you can sign up by going to overcomingevilconference.com. That's overcomingevilconference. Dot com and it is the truth script men's conference and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun we have six speakers including myself and um, there's there's going to be beautiful accommodations I was wondering if there were pictures here there's a video here that you can see uh, some some of the stuff from last year um, but uh, yeah I mean you can see it's a gorgeous area in the Adirondacks region of New York the closest airport's probably Albany Airport and um, and then we just had a good time uh, at the last one. We had Dr. Russell Fuller and at this particular one, the speaker, the main speaker is uh, Tom Rush, Tom Rush. And he's going to be uh, there. He is. <laughs> he's going to be speaking about his military experience and leadership. And, uh, and and so we'll have him do a number of sessions. And then Andrew Rappaport's going to be there from striving to eternity ministries uh, 80 Robles, of course. Uh, and then uh, from my church, Lance Nidahara, who's, uh, he has some stuff out. He, I know he has a book that he co-published with Ray Comfort at Living Waters. He's a culinary chef. And he, he's actually won the show Chopped twice. So very, uh, and I, I know him pretty well, but he's very experienced when it comes to food. And uh, he is in charge of, or I should say the advisor for the Culinary Christian Fellowship, which is a uh, a campus ministry that I, I will attend at times and uh, help out with and, and so forth. And then, of course, uh, my own father, Scott Harris, is going to be there as well. So Overcoming Evil Men's Conference, sponsored by uh, TruthScript and Grace Bible Church, where I attend services, uh, is coming up. And that is September 21st through 24th, September 21st through 24th in Speculator, New York. All right. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, let's see what I want to go to first. Let's go here first. Um, Send Network, not not too long ago. This was this is so typical. May 2nd published 
This is worth celebrating. Well, what's worth celebrating? Southern Baptist churches have worked together to plant 10,000 new churches across North America since 2010. And then they have a mind blown emoji. And then it says, just as last year, Send Network was able to help support and partner with SBC churches to plant 745 new churches. Now, I want to I want to make a note about this just from my own experience. OK, this is take take this with a grain of salt if you want, which is fine. I don't mind that. But I've wondered about this, <laughs> the church planning thing. Because I happen to know a number of places where there are. um Let's just say multiple people on staff at little churches that can never support them. Like you'll have three pastors at a church of like 50 people, that kind of thing. And I don't know how Nam is counting this, but each one of them is a church planner and, and they're getting money from the North American Mission Board. This is um, particularly noticeable. Well, it's particular. The, the reason for it is particularly, I think, because of all the things that have taken place from and since the Great Commission resurgence of 2010. There was a lot of consolidation that happened and is happening uh, with more local or regional Baptist networks and the Southern Baptist Convention. So there's a, there's a centralizing tendency here to take resources that would be given to, to regional efforts and then uh, put them towards the national organization. So, so in other words, you can have... Uh, depending on how you do the math, it can sound really good when in reality it's like, well, you're, you're taking resources that were already present. You're just applying them to yourself. So it makes like you're growing, but meanwhile, the, these other um, regional organizations are shrinking or dead. So, so that, that's one of the things that is, it's a deceptive thing. But then the other thing, and I've wondered about this is the, how much waste is going into Send, putting guys in at churches where it's mul multiple people on staff at a church that can't s actually sustain them. But other churches in the denomination through the cooperative program are subsidizing that. Or uh, churches, I happen to know uh, of churches that is getting NAM funding uh, who, well, you, you can actually go on the SBC website and you can actually see some of this. Go to like New York City on the SBC website to see what are SBC cooperating churches. And some of the churches, you just wonder, you look at them and you're like, this is Southern Baptist. The, the, their theology doesn't look Southern Baptist. Um, this is the whole issue Mike Laws had with, look at all these women pastors we have in the denomination. But it, it's beyond that. I mean, there's churches that are like social justice, liberation theology type churches, like hardcore, that don't have any pre prior history of being Southern Baptist that one can tell that are getting funding from the North American Mission Board. How is that? Now, these are all things I've seen. I've seen this over the course of years. And, and I hear the horror stories too. I don't know what to make of all that because it's there's no one who's come out with like a comprehensive study. The information's hard to come by to find out all these things. And there's a huge incentive if you're getting money, if you're getting funding, not to talk because you don't want that funding going away. So if you're critical of it, that's going to get you in, in hot water. Uh, this is one of the reasons with uh, IMB, why it, it's such a hard thing to show people that, look, the IMB has very loose theology. It's partnering with people and denominations that Southern Baptists, th their statement of faith directly contradicts in foreign countries. I've heard the horror stories from IMB missionaries, but they can't come on the record and say anything. As soon as they do, their funding gets pulled. Uh, they're off the field. They will lose even things like 
the benefits that you get when you're in the Southern Baptist Convention for your children going to college or your medical insurance. There's a huge incentive not to talk. And, and so I, I think it was uh, maybe it was Baptist News Global. It's one of these leftist outlets uh, had someone from the International Mission Board who a few years ago did come out and start talking about. But it wasn't wasn't theological stuff. It was it was abuse related things. And uh, and they, they didn't care that they had signed basically the equivalent of an NDA, which is what pretty much everyone's signing uh, when they go to work for the IMB. So um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of people weighing in right now. Yeah. Richard Henry says, yeah, 170 plus women pastors. That's just the ones we know about. Right. That's just the ones we know about. Uh, and again, some of you are saying, well, why is that a problem? It's a problem. Even if you agree that women should be pastors, which I, I think there's. I don't agree with that case, but even if you think that, it's still against the Baptist faith and message. Uh, yeah, I, well, I'm getting testimonies coming in. Christian Men of America. Uh, John, I graduated in December. I will come on and tell you everything. It's disgusting. Um, planting fake gospel churches. Yeah, this is exactly the thing I keep hearing from everyone. I keep hearing these private messages from uh, uh, some of them anonymous accounts. Some of them are verifiable, but they just can't publicly say it that some of these churches that are, are being planted are just not historically Southern Baptist churches. They're, they're, in other words, there's a rearrangement of a, a reshuffling of the deck, right? And, and reshuffling the deck doesn't increase the amount of cards. But if you can centralize things and show that, well, look, we're planting all these churches because you're taking from all these other smaller regional denominations or other denominations that aren't as orthodox, then it looks like you're doing something big when you're, you're really not. It, it's kind of a numbers game. So I, I've known about this for a few years. Um, I, I just don't know of any comprehensive way to approach it without the resources and the expertise that one would need, uh, one would have if they were a polling agency or something. Uh, so anyway, Send Network says this. They, they, they're, they're bragging and I'm just saying I'm skeptical of it. I'm skeptical. You don't have to be, but I am. Well, Chuck Kelly said this about it and he's written uh, a book, the best of intentions about this whole issue. He says, perhaps you saw the headline of NAM announcing 10,000 new churches planted since 2010. I wrote the best of intentions to underline, to, to get underneath rather the headlines and try to understand the true state of the SBC underneath that particular headline. NAM announced to the SBC their goal of starting 15,000 new church plants in order to reach our nation. Uh, the reality, and this was, I guess would have been in 2010, the reality behind that headline of 10,000 new plants since 2010 is the reality that NAM fell 5,000 church plants short of its announced goal for the decade. Wow. In 2011, NAM announced the ratio of SBC churches per population was only one SBC church per 6,169 people. In 2021, the ratio was one SBC church per 7,777 people. NAM started the decade by reporting on the church per population ratio uh, or ration. I think it meant, I think it meant ratio. Uh, it no longer includes that information in, in its reports. So, so in other words, the inconvenient data they leave out. Research indicates that the decline has become deeply rooted in the SBC life during the years since the Great Commission resurgence proposals were adopted. The best intentions pulls the research together. I haven't read this book, but Randy Adams recommended it. And I think there's probably something to this. Uh, and it makes sense because we're seeing this in just about every arena, a centralizing tendency. See it in the government, too, the, the usurpation of 
uh, local and state authority. Uh, we, we've seen that now for, for years. This is, uh, seems like it's one of the byproducts of modernity. And um, when that happens, uh, you create bureaucracies. And when you create bureaucracies that are big like this, that have major incentives to keep the money coming in and keep their jobs, uh, they sugarcoat things. They, they're not giving you a correct perspective. And, and that is, by the way, part of the corruption. That's not something that I think we should just as Christians be okay with. That, well, it's just what bureaucracy is like. And this is, no, no, uh, we're Christians, right? And as Christians, we, sh we should uh, hold to a higher standard and give us honestly the data that uh, represent to us what is actually happening. Is the money that pew sitters are paying for missions actually having an effect? Is it going there? Is, do we need to rethink things, right? All of that uh, is important. So uh, that said, um, the Gospel Coalition has come out with an article. And in this article, uh, they examine the decline in SBC membership because it's undeniable that it's, it's happening. Undeniable. And here's uh, Ryan Berg writing for the Gospel Coalition and what he says. We're going to read at least part of this article. I think he makes some good points about this. However, I think that there's something missing, and uh, you can probably guess what I think it is. The Southern Baptist Convention released its annual statistics about membership attendance, baptism, and other matters this week. The data paints a portrait of the largest Protestant denomination undergoing a significant decline. That hasn't always been the case. However, for decades, the Southern Baptists enjoyed extraordinary growth. In a 26 uh, period running from 1946 to 1972, Southern Baptists more than doubled. Around 2010, membership began to noticeably decline, with about 100,000 members lost per year. Then these losses began to accelerate by 2019. The annual drop was more than a quarter million members. In the last three years, the shift has been staggering. 435,000 lost in 2020, 410,000 in 2021, and 484,000 in 2022. In total, the SBC has lost more than 1.3 million people in just three years. Now, why is that? Why is that? Here, here's a, a graph. Um, I don't know if anyone, oh, man, I guess that's not how to see it. Well, hopefully you can, if you have good eyes, you can see that since 2000, well, really not 2000, since about, there's been a decline since, since around 2005-ish, 2006, 2007 in there. 2010, you see it start to pick up a bit. Well, it's, it's just, it's like the floor dropped out in 20 what is that 20 uh 18 or so it's like 2019 it, it just like really starts tanking big now so you gotta ask what happened in the last few years and and i think those who listen to this podcast you know what's happened but let's let's see what the gospel coalition says decline in institutional trust if there's one made fe feature in america it's that people don't trust institutions uh, data from the General Social Survey indicates trust in banks, education. Con okay, so this is a point that I've made many times, and I think that's true, that they, there's some inevitability to this because people don't trust even their medical establishment now. They don't trust anyone uh, that seems to have authority uh, that is in, in a position that uh, where they would need to lie to keep that authority. So it, there's a scaling thing. They, they trust the, the local doctor, maybe, but they don't trust Fauci. So the SBC is a big entity, and, and that, that could contribute. I agree. Uh, trust in organized religion is down as well. 
So, okay, there you go. Uh, demographics. And, and by the way, I should note, he does mention here the recent sexual abuse scandals. And this is the context he, he mentions it in, that it's the perception of trust is reduced because of the, those kinds of things. Uh, and, and, and there's a Department of Justice investigation, right? But, but here's the thing, too. You got to understand, if people are having trouble uh, uh, trusting the institutions, then that means they shouldn't trust the Department of Justice, too, right? Like, it's not like the Department of Justice is exempt from that. In fact, I think most Southern Baptists would probably trust the Department of Justice less than maybe the Southern Baptist Convention, or at least government. You, you could say government bureaucracy less. So, so that I don't think that dog really hunts necessarily. Um, that there may be some people who do think that this is a, a big issue, but if, if not because of institutional trust issues, uh, necessarily, I, I, at least I don't think broadly speaking, I think you could find examples, but I'm just saying broadly speaking, um, th I think that the, the people who are leaving mostly, uh, cause I think there's way more conservative quote churches leaving. They, 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 they think this is a sham for the most part. They think that, uh, th this this is a uh, drumming up a lot of um, concern about something that's not as big as it's being uh, purported to be. So um, anyway, that, that's just, that's a uh, one of the analyses, but I I tend to disagree with that. Demographics uh, is the other thing, and and this is one of the things that the Great Commission resurgence was supposed to, if people in the SBC remember, correct. This is what Al Mohler said in 2010 in the Great Commission resurgence book which a number of prominent Southern Baptists contributed to. Uh, Al Mohler was one of them. Johnny Hunt, uh, Tom Askell. I mean, the list goes on. A lot of prominent Southern Baptists contributed to this book of what are we going to do? And in Al Mohler's section, he talks about the, the fact that the SBC needs to diversify. They need to diversify now. If we don't diversify, then we're going to be in trouble. And so you see in just about every entity and seminary, uh, a policy comes out in the next few years about what they're going to do to diversify because that's going to save the denomination. Well, uh, we, we've been through this before. Now, there's there's probably a point to be made here. He says, um, one of the realities facing many Protestant denominations, including the SBC, is that their membership is aging. Uh, the general demographics of America is a large baby boomer generation pulls the statistics towards the older end. But on the other hand, the percentage of adult SBC members over 65 is 33% and is significantly larger than the percentage of adult Americans over 65 in a decade or two, it's likely half of the oldest age group will be unable to attend church services for one reason or another. Another 26% have seen their 55th birthday. So um, he's saying that it's get, getting too old. And this is exactly, like I said, what the, the Great uh, Commission Resurgence was uh, was focused on. They're saying it's old white males. They're, they're, they're dying. We need to diversify. And so part of replacing them was let's get in some ethnically diverse people. Let's try to get in younger people. Let's do something uh, to stop this. Um, now, you cannot you, you figure out, though, did it work? Because we those policies went in before the, the recent tanking in the last three years. Did it work or did it exacerbate something? Uh, the third reason given on the Gospel Coalition by Ryanberg is nuns and nuns. Uh, another way for a church to offset the losses of older generations is through new converts. However, recent years have seen fewer converts among Generation Z. Those born in 1996 or later, the share who identifies as atheist, agnostic or nothing in particular has risen from 39 percent to 48 percent. And that's just from 2016 to, to uh, 2022. That is a pretty sharp rise. Uh, it's like 10, almost 10 percent. 
Um, this means nearly half of the youngest adults have walked away from the religion entirely. They aren't the only ones to join the ranks of the nuns. However, the percentage of millennials who have no religious affiliation has risen. Uh, and so it, it's going into all of this. What may be an even bigger threat to the SBC is the dramatic rise in non-denominational churches. Now, th this is church. These are churches that they're, they're choosing not to affiliate with the SBC. They'd rather be independent. Ask yourself why. Uh, Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, and Presbyterians are all a smaller share of the population now that, than they were in 20, uh, 2008. The only exception is non-denominational Christianity. They were 7.1% of the total population in 2008, but that number has risen to 8.6%. One advantage of non-denominational churches is that they don't have institutional baggage. Uh, people are skeptical of putting money in the offering plate. This is what we were talking about before, that people will trust their local church, but they won't trust national organizations as much. Uh, let's see. So to wrap everything up, uh, the disadvantage of non-denominational churches is that they don't carry the same influence as churches that are banded together. They don't have the same ability to do missions, influence culture, care for humanitarian needs as a denomination. The Southern Baptist Convention is facing some uh, headwinds plaguing nearly every religious institution. This is the key sentence. The SBC is facing the same headwinds plaguing nearly every other religious institution. The decline in institutional trust the aging of an unusually large generation, and the rise in atheism. But there's some good news. Uh, the attendance that declined sharply during COVID bounced up a bit, as did small group attendance. I, I'm sure that's probably the same for every religious group. I mean, numbers were way down in 2020, and I'm sure they went back up a little bit in 2021. Okay, so uh, this is this is kind of, this is it's not bad. This is the article, but my my critique, I suppose, is that it's flat. This is a flat critique. This is a critique that is assuming that there's these forces out, mostly outside of the control of the Southern Baptist Convention that are affecting all these other denominations that uh, that explains the, the last three years in the sharp decline. What is missing from that analysis? What don't you see? There's nothing about the social justice movement. I mean, last three years, we're talking since Resolution 9 is when this has really taken place. Anything happen with Resolution 9 that was maybe significant that could have contributed to this? I was in Tennessee, uh, and, and I could give you a number of examples like this, but this one in particular, I was in Tennessee, and there's a church I went to. And at this particular church, it says Southern Baptist Convention, or SBC Church, uh, engraved into the, the stone or, or whatever on the, on the side of the church. And I asked about it and someone told me, oh, no, no, we're not Southern Baptists. I want to make very clear that they were not Southern Baptists. And it was because they had gone woke and he's and people. And I found out from another member, people have been asking if the church was woke just because it said SBC. This perception exists out there. And that perception is also hurting Southern Baptist churches. There's no doubt about it. And there's no doubt for people who actually experience the, the, these kinds of things. I don't have any numbers for you. That's part of the problem. I don't, I can't tell you the motives. There's no um, exit sheet where people uh, tell, let, let the denomination know, here's why I was dissatisfied, why we're disaffiliating. And that doesn't go into some pool somewhere for, for the common public to look at. So um, so someone in the chat asked this question, uh, John, how much also comes back to the pastor level, allowing folks to treat them as administrators instead of shepherds? Also, preachers need to stop casting their vision and let the church see Christ. Well, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, so, yeah, 
Richard Henry, Pastor Richard Henry says uh, he went to SBTS. It was bad, but not le- nearly as bad as SEBTS. So people are talking in the chat about, uh, I guess, the state of the different entities in the denomination. Um, so let me gather my thoughts here. <laughs> so the SBC has some major challenges when it comes to, to social justice. And now, uh, w- a few years ago, we were told it would never come to this, but now it, the issue of women pastors is front and center. You have a battle between the Rick Warren people and then uh, the the Mike Law people. And Mike Law's amendment, this is just one facet. I mean, the Me Too stuff is part of this. There's the financial stuff, the corruption stuff. There's so ma- many things in the last few years uh, that have come out that are concerning people. Um, but But let me just take one issue. We'll take the women pastors issue. How is this being addressed? How is this being handled, right? Uh, if there was some stability in the denomination, a clear clarion call, I don't think there would be that big of a problem. But this is the kind of thing you get. This is as clearest uh, as you get. And I, I've watched the video. In fact, I had to watch it more than once because I was. Tr- it's actually kind of funny. This is Bart Barber, for those who are watching. And it's just a bunch of <laughs> the backside of a bunch of cows in the background here. I didn't notice that until now. It's pretty, I don't know. It's just not, not anyway. <laughs> better not say anything. Um, This is an article. This is in in the liberal Baptist News Global, Mark Wingfield. So, you know, this is he's got his own spin on this. But uh, but I'm just showing you it's been reported on that Bart Barber wants to. uh, He he wants to I don't know if I want to say third way, He, but he he wants to navigate this issue of women pastors because Mike Law has brought an amendment for it. This is what the amendment basically says. Uh, it says um, that, or, or this is a proposed amendment, that a member church who is in cooperation or fellowship with the denomination does not affirm a point or employ a woman as a pastor of any kind. All right, that's all it says. And this would be in keeping with the Baptist faith message, uh, just fine-tuning it to make sure that that's, and, and it would um, go under Article 3. Now, Article 3 of the Constitution of the Southern Baptist Convention says this, the convention will only deem a church to be in friendly cooperation with the convention and sympathetic with its purposes and work. And it gives an example, i.e. a cooperating church, as that term is used in the convention's governing documents, which has a faith and practice which closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement of faith. By way of example, churches which act to affirm, approve, or endorse homosexual behavior would not be deemed to, uh, not to be in cooperation with the convention will be deemed not to be in cooperation. Uh, Number two, has formally approved its intention to cooperate with the SBC. So that means filing annual reports requested by the convention, that kind of thing. Uh, Has made undesignated financial contributions through the cooperative program. Uh, Does not act in a manner inconsistent with, here's more recent things, the convention's beliefs regarding sexual abuse. Does not act to affirm, approve, or endorse discriminatory behavior on the basis of ethnicity. So, why are you reading this to us, John? Very simply, this: you have statements. You have you know, four and five fine tuning. Like you, you could say, well, doesn't this the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, statement of faith already has language on on this guy, like the, on uh, the, the image of God and, and what that means and discrimination? It, it already covers that. So, well, don't we have that? Well. It was a problem, according to some. And so guess what? It's now part of Article 3. 
because of this to, to specifically pinpoint that of uh, sexual abuse and uh, racism of some kind, discriminatory behavior on the basis of ethnicity. Uh, it's it specifically uh, those things were fine tuned so that there would be no question, right? Because these are issues that have come up. I'm not saying I agree with that, but it, but that's 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 why this happened. All you have right now, all you have is Mike Law saying, can we add another one? Can we just say, look, you can't have women pastors and be in friendly cooperation with us. That's all he's saying. That's it. The, so so I want to make the complex hopefully simple for you because Bart Barber is trying to make this somewhat complex. Bart Barber's proposal is, he's, he's saying, well, I'm not against that. I mean, we, we could do that. But there's deeper things that need to happen. We have structural problems in the current Southern Baptist Convention Constitution. Uh, he believes the messengers uh, need to vote up or down on this amendment, but but there's something more that needs to happen. Uh, at present, Article 3 of our Constitution says that to be in co-op, considered cooperation with the convention, a church needs to have a faith and practice that is closely identified with the BFM. He explains, now, the thing is nobody actually knows what closely identified with means in terms of actually applying it to the case of individual churches. So his argument is that no one knows what this means. His argument is that it was it's intentionally vague that you could, and I think he gives, a, gives the example of the Trinity. Like you could, you know, what does it mean if someone uh, disagrees with the Trinity? I guess they could be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I guess no one knows. So, and, but you see like an example is given in the constitution example. The example given is, is homosexuality. Churches which act to affirm, approve, or endorse homosexual behavior would be deemed not to be in cooperation with the convention. So that you can, here's the thing, this gives you some latitude, I suppose you could say, but it's clear that there is a standard. In other words, if you con directly contradict our statement of faith, then you cannot be in friendly cooperation. And as problems arise, we add to specifically fine tune to make sure that people know, hey, on this issue of sexual abuse, you can't disagree with us on this issue of discriminatory behavior. You can't disagree with us. That's that's how it's been functioning. Bart Barber wants to say that, look, no one knows what that means. So the whole, I guess, article is just meaningless at this point. So we need to have a new committee to form to rewrite the Constitution on this on this matter. So so if Mike Law's motion goes through, right, and it passes, big whoop, because then there's a study committee that's going to possibly, if Bart Barber gets his way, redo that entire section, right? It, it would just be it'd be irrelevant. If you're gonna if you're gonna start to rewrite the whole section, then you might as well not be passing amendments, right? So what is he up to? I don't know exactly what he's up to, but these are the kinds of things that exhaust people in the denomination when it's like a simple thing like that. It's like, let's just fix this. We got water coming in the ship. Let's fix the leak. No, no, we, we don't want you to fix the leak. We got to get a new ship. We got to. That's where people, um, I think. They get tired, they get fatigued and, and this stuff over and over and over. Problem comes up and solutions. Solutions just aren't there. So anyway. Wanted to share that uh, with you. I, I, I have, this is my, just my opinion, but I think that there's a lot more going on. I think that in fact, the major reason it's fallen precipitously in membership is not because of these, these headwinds, which I, I admit these headwinds are, they're real. <laughs> yes. People are secularizing. All this stuff is real. Uh, and, and over time, I'm sure that, uh, you know, it, there's an inevitability here unless God does something, but 
but there's something in the me- immediate in the last three years that is is more pressing, more urgent, more important. And it's it, and we have examples coming before us just about every week, just about every week. So, well, that's the podcast uh, for today. Uh, just to remind everyone, please uh, check out the men's conference. You can go to o- overcomingevilconference.com, overcomingevilconference.com. It's going to be a great time. Uh, any questions, uh, you can email me or message me on social media. Uh, I'm going to have more information about this coming out in the next uh, few months. But I, I do want to say that there is an early bird special. This is, I mean, this is a pretty good deal. This is, uh, there's two tracks, September 21st through 24th, $334. So you're getting lodging for three nights and you're getting meals on Thursday night through Sunday morning and, and, and wonderful accommodations. Uh, the other track is September 22nd through 24th. If you can't, if you can only do the weekend, I have, uh, now you might not hear some of these speakers, but, uh, but, but you can, um, you, you'll lose that first day. So, so these are the tracks. If you want to come to the conference, uh, it's going to be similar to last time, except I think we're going to have better accommodations. We're going to have lakeside accommodations. This is the peak for the Adirondacks. This is when the fall foliage is the most stunning. So you, you not only get to see the beautiful Adirondacks, you get to see it at the most stunning time of the year on a beautiful lake. That's just pristine. So we're going to be right by the lake this time. And, uh, so, so the, the, we're still going to be doing, um, uh, just to get to know each other. I think it worked out well last time. We're going to have uh, multiple people in rooms, like maybe three uh, per room, something like that. Um, so so you may want to bring hearing protection and that kind of thing. But this is, this is for men, right? This is a men's conference. So uh, we're going to do outdoor stuff. We're going to have bonfires. We're going to play basketball. We're going to we're just gonna have a good time uh, and, and learn um, from the Word of God as well. So uh, check it out, um, overcomingevilconference.com for more information. Hope you all have a wonderful Lord's Day tomorrow and a wonderful Mother's Day. God bless. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.